0: you were created by God, that He breathed breath into your lungs, and so that it is a natural thing to give praise to the Lord. It's not unnatural. It's not something that only weird people do. It's something that people who have found their purpose and their meaning do, the people that are back to their first original state of their breath being given by God. It is the most basic and fundamental human condition is praising the Lord. It is a twisted and broken generation that says that it is only crazy people or weird people or bizarre people that praise the Lord. That's just a world that is twisting it. It's just fake news, as we like to say these days. It's just fake. It's just not true because you were created by God. You were created by God, and no matter how hard you want to deny that fact, I don't think anyone here does, but let's say anybody wants to deny that fact, you can't. You were created by God. He breathed His life into you. You were given life by Him, and so the most natural state that we can be in is we are, when we are giving something back to Him, back connecting back to Him through our prayer, through our praise, through our worship to the Lord. So thank you, praise team. Sister Hannah, you guys did a wonderful job. Um, Sister Nikki's not feeling well. The doctor told her she needed to take it really easy. She, we tried to do something yesterday, and she really, really thought that the baby was coming. So had a little bit of a scare yesterday, so she's going to take it easy today on my orders because I want that baby to be okay. So it's like, not about you anymore, it's about this baby, so sit down and take it easy. You know, no, I didn't. I'm didn't. i very sweet, I'm very kind, but well, I certainly miss Sister Nikki, but I'm thankful Sister Hannah's taken over and doing a great job with the music. So yeah, give her a hand, we're so thankful for her and Brother Thomas and all that they do. And Bible Quizzers, are you ready for state finals? Are you ready to go dominate? Are you ready to bring home first place? All right, all right, that's going to be exciting this weekend, state finals, you can be You can be seated. got to kick it. What do I need to do? Do I kick the piano? Oh, grab this other mic. Okay, there we go. Better. Much, much better. Okay, good. All right. So, we are going to look in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis... Chapter number three, book of Genesis, chapter number three, we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of pain or death or suffering. So I want to ask you a question. Is a utopia on this life, in this world, is it possible? Is utopia possible? Yeah. A perfect society. Why? Why is a perfect society not? Okay, people are not perfect. That's true. So how many know that life has ups and life has downs? Yeah, everybody knows that, hopefully. Life has ups and life has downs. And if you don't know that yet, you will know that soon. Life has ups. And life has downs. What are the point of the low points? What are the point of the downs? That's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit. What are the point of when you come, you're up, but then when life comes down? I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a point to it. And it's not just what I want to show you is that it's not just that God sees you through the downtimes. It's that God takes you through them on purpose. Not everything is done by God, but there are some things that are really, really uncomfortable that God does absolutely on purpose. And we don't like to talk about it. We like to say, oh, the enemy's attacking me. And we like to pray for the sick and quote the verse that the prayer of faith will save the sick, which I do believe it doesn't say heal the sick. Notice that. There's verses that says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and we love those verses and we latch on to that and we think that every down thing, every bad thing. Now there's some bad things that just come straight from humanity cuz we've already said a utopia isn't possible because even if and I'm going to come back to that point even if a utopia was here, we would mess it up because people make mistakes, people are selfish. That's what the Bible says when I was born in sin, shaping in iniquity when David says that. It's not that babies are evil. It's that you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. Nobody tells a little toddler, that is your toy and you need to go snatch it from your sister. Okay. No, what happens? It's natural. Mine. And when you tell them to do something, what's natural? No, because I want to do what I want to do. It's just you're born in sin, shaping in iniquity. So I want to talk a little bit about those low points. And we're going to look at the Bible, Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 22. And the Lord God said, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. So this is after the fall. How many have ever Remember the story of the fall. We've taught on it before, but how many remember the story of the original sin? How many remember the original sin? How many don't remember? How many are okay? There's a couple that don't remember. Okay, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay, that's a different way to put it. When the the serpent tempts them, how many remember that story? That's the fall of man. Okay, so after this, this is what the Lord said: "Behold, the man." is become as one of us to know good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever colon therefore the lord god sent him forth from the garden of eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So here is what is so fascinating about this portion of the story to me, is that the tree of life would have cured the curse of death. So there was a tree in the garden of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the Lord said, "The day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die." And we come to find out that that meant that death will enter the world, and you will begin to die. and your body, which was meant to be eternal, will become temporal, and it will have an expiration date on it. And that is seen as the judgment of God. And absolutely, it is the judgment of God. But here's like everything God does God doesn't do anything flat. He doesn't do anything with just boring human motives that we might say, I'm just going to punish you because I'm angry because you did wrong. God has intention with everything He does, even with punishment. It's not just a punishment just because I am angry, and so I'm going to punish you. You punched me, so I'm going to punch you back. This is not playground vengeance from God. It's not, it's not what He did. It's not like, a, you know, I, I'm returning the favor, you idiot humans. You disobeyed me, so I'm going to punish you with death. That's not what God does. That's not how God works. It's deeper than that. There's something else going on that we've got to get to. So what you have to understand is that there was a tree that was called the tree of life. And these verses tell us that that tree would have made a difference. It would have reversed the curse. It would have healed the suffering of death. It would have taken away so that man could live forever. So God drove them out of the garden not to punish them. But to keep the punishment in place. Now, why? They're, they're there. They, they messed up. Isn't God merciful? Isn't God, you know, a God of kindness and second chances? It was one bite. Well, then it was two bites, but you know what, God, whatever. Two bites is not that big a deal. We'll never do it again. Won't you be merciful to us? And the issue was not the disobedience. He didn't say I drove them out because I was angry at them for disobedience. But what did it say back in verse 22? That because man has become one of us talking about God and the angels or the heavenly beings, those who can make a choice, those who now can look down and can see that there is right and there is wrong. And now they have a possibility of choosing wrong. And this, this they have demonstrated by their actions that they are willing to do what they know they shouldn't do in order to take something for themselves. Now, I know I'm getting deep here on you, but I want want, I'm going somewhere and I want you to follow me. Because this is not about punishment. People get give all of God's judgment a bad name because they think it's just about revenge. It's just about correction in some sort of like way that you can't ever change anybody. So you're just going to force them to be miserable. And therefore, that's the judgment of God. And that's how God does it. He's there to judge. But he said, I'm not trying to punish them. I'm not trying to punish them. I'm not trying just to be angry with them. But see, they did something that made eternity hell on earth. Because they are now able to understand evil. And they are able not only to understand it, but they're able to do it. They're able to act in a selfish way. They're able to get to a point where if they lived forever, they would create such a terrible society where there would be nothing, there would be nothing that would stop them from turning this earth into an everlasting place of torment. So yes, death was punishment, but death was, in one way, it was the solution. In one way, it was the solution because it ended the life of a one man and allowed the life of another man to start. Without the selfishness of the previous generation being on them. Now, I know as you're saying, Brother Jerry, I'm totally lost. You might be because I'm going to apply it really quickly. But I think there's some of you that are following me. This is not about punishment. This was about now something has shifted. Something has changed so that now you know what's right and what's wrong. And you are going to choose wrong but I am not going to allow this to keep going on forever. I'm going to put an end to your own choice. I'm going to subjugate you to the weight and the curse of death so that I can ultimately fix the problem from the inside. So let me, let me just give it to you this way. What if all consequences were gone right now? would that be a perfect world what if all consequences were gone yeah it would just it would go to what they call anarchy if all consequences were gone there would be no law because there would be no reason to follow the law if if you didn't get arrested for stealing then you would steal everybody's stuff well what happens when you can steal anybody's stuff there is no more stuff there's no such thing as private property, because it all belongs to everybody, whoever can take it. So it just disintegrates really, really quickly. If there there was no consequence for murder, the human race would be wiped out if there were no consequences for these things. So if you just simply remove the consequence, if you just simply remove the kind of natural barriers that keep things in order, things fall apart very, very, very quickly. So it's not a utopia to remove the consequence. It's not a utopia just to say, well, um, if we just take away all of these laws and all this stuff, we'll be free. Because we understand on a big level that the act itself carries with it its own consequence. Murder, that's a big one, carries with it its own consequence because someone dies. That's a consequence that is just in hate, inerrant in the trait, some sort of assault. Somebody's the victim. It carries with it its own consequence. Drug addiction. It's not just good to make everything legal because the, it's not a, it's, drugs are not bad because you go to jail. Drugs are bad because you become addicted. Pornography's not bad just because you might get in trouble with your mom. It's because it warps your brain and there's something ins- inherently evil in it that war- it's its own reward. So you can remove the consequences and say, I'm going to insulate myself from the consequences. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be good in your life because it's not just an external force. See, God could have said, okay, I'm not going to do anything bad to you. I'm not going to curse you with death. I'm not going to touch you. I'm just going to let you be. But the, the nature of their sin was already at work in the world so that now they are people that know how to kill, know how to assault, know how to destroy, know how to be selfish. And they're going to propagate and never die and continually be selfish and continually assault and continually have war and never, ever get arrest because it just becomes one big anarchy fest over and over again because God said, I'm going to let you have it. So God, in his mercy said, I'm going to put an end to your life and I'm going to give you a promise. The Bible says the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. That's kind of a confusing verse. But when you understand what God was doing on that very first day that sin entered the world, he said, I am going to put an end to your life. So that I can come, and I can die, and I can pay the price, and then you can live not forever in this world, but you can live forever in a world that's it's actually tolerable to live forever. And see, we know this inherently as human beings. It's all over the news that there is a movement in our world of, called assisted suicide. Because people, when they become so disconnected to the meaning and purpose of their life, when they go through some sort of valley that makes them wake up and realize this life really has not much to it. My riches don't really make me happy. There's something in me that doesn't really fit. I just don't belong. What do they want? They desire why is that? If death was the ultimate evil, why are there some people that are desiring it? Why are there some people that will go to an end-of-life clinic and allow a doctor to give them drugs that will knowingly take their life? Because they realize that this life is empty. So they see it. They see kind of the same conclusion that we see, but yet they don't have a solution to it. But they come to that same kind of innate conclusion. If I'm if this is just all there is, then I just want to end it right now because there's nothing good here. Can you imagine if you could never die? You would think, oh, that would be awesome. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. God wasn't being mean. God wasn't being cruel. God was being merciful. saying, I can't let you live forever knowing all that, you know, I can't let the let the Nazis and Hitler live forever. I can't let that kind of stuff just go on and on and on and selfishness after selfishness just keep propagating itself. I've got to end this thing so that I can offer a real solution because removing the consequence is not a solution. But we live in a world that says the only problem with the world is that there are people that are putting consequences on my actions. That is not true. That is not true. June is pride month. Proud of what? Proud of your perverted behavior. It goes to the LGBTQ plus because they can't even describe it with those letters. It's pretty going to pretty much contain every letter of the alphabet. And it says, if you have some sort of demented view of love, you should be proud. Now, what is that saying? It's saying we are going to remove the consequences And if we remove the consequences, then life is great. Then life is good. The problem is just that you judge. The problem is that people will look down on a man that dresses like a woman. The problem is that if I want to marry a man, then people look down on me. And if we could just remove that, then everything would be fine. If we could just remove those consequences, then everything would be okay. But what, what's the problem? It's that sin has its own reward. It means that the consequences really aren't the problem. The external consequences, the laws against it, or the church's judgment on it, or God's judgment on it, it's not really the problem. God, As far as I know, God hasn't struck somebody dead for a breach of his law in a very, very long time. It might have happened recently, maybe, but I, we just don't know about it. We don't hear about it a lot. People get away with a lot of stuff without God saying anything, without God doing anything. We joke like, oh, the lightning bolt's going to strike you. I've never seen it strike somebody. Now, it might. now, I'm not saying God can't do it, but maybe, but it's just he doesn't do it very often. So it's not the judgment of God that's the problem. It is the internal consequence that's built in. In to the sin. Why am I preaching this to you guys? Because I remember I'm talking about low points. Because God is working in your life. He's working in your life. And things, I said all of that to say that things that on the surface look like cruelty. God, how could you do that? I thought you were merciful. I thought you loved me. Even death, which is one of the most cruel things. It's, it's kind of scary to think that we'll all have to walk through it. And it's cruel when it touches your family. Especially when it comes to someone that's younger And you didn't expect it and you didn't see it coming. It's such a cruel process to walk through. And you think, God, how could you do this? And we see things so flat. It would be better if they were here. It would be better if death did never touch us. It would be better. It would be better and we get this kind of I mean, you can I mean, it would just be real. Everybody feels that God, it would be better if this if disease didn't take a hold of people's bodies. It would be better if we could just live forever. It would be better if we could just take all the problems out of this world. But see, it's not just a flat thing with God. Life would not be better if everybody was healthy. And if there was no death, life would not be better. Why? Because that's what the tree of life would have given us. And God said, I'm not trying to punish you, but I cannot let you live in this condition, healthy and good. And to where you think that this is all there is. And you never pull yourself out of the pit that you are living in currently. You just keep on going and you never stop to say, my life is short. I need to do something about it. You never look up there. And that's what we get. That's now you can understand the story of Noah's a little bit better because people lived a lot longer in the days of Noah. They lived to be almost a thousand years old. And the Bible says that their mind was on evil continually, that they were just marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and just having parties. They could never stop to say, hey, we need to do something about our relationship with God. Life was good. They lived a long time. There wasn't a lot of sickness. They were just having fun. They were just partying. They were just saying, if we could just remove the consequences, if we could just get rid of this whole... Myth. We could just do whatever we wanted. And God said, it's got to stop because I've got to have a people. I've got to have I've got to have somebody that understands that there is more than just this life, that this life has been broken, but that I am going to offer new life, that I'm going to choose a people and I'm going to call them by my name and I'm going to lead them through the wilderness and I'm going to deliver them from Egypt and I'm going to take them through the Red Sea and I'm going to settle them in a good promise." and I'm going to come through one of their members I'm going to come and be one of their citizens and I am going to die for their sins and then the solution will be there that new life can be brought up not in just their body and continually in the rot of their mind and the selfishness of their spirit where they constantly are turning back and forgetting me and I deliver them and they worship a false god I deliver them and they uh, commit all these whoredoms that destroy their family and destroy their life. But I'm going to give them a new heart and a new life so that they the curse can be reversed from the inside. And so that new life will be bearable with me in heaven. Because if I do not fix what's on the inside. Your life will be unbearable for eternity. It will be unbearable for eternity. Yes, I believe hell will have external torments but just living forever in your own filth in your own sickness that's torment enough in your in the twistedness of your own mind without the power and the renewing spirit of god that's torment enough this is not a crazy story But see, the black and white's kind of crazy. Oh, there's either heaven or hell, and God sends people to hell that he hates, and God sends people to heaven that he likes. That's not what it is at all. God said that you cannot live forever in your current condition, your current heart, your current motives, your current life. You cannot live forever. You will destroy everything. You will destroy everything around you and you will not be able to die. You will not be able to see an end to it. There will be no season of life. There will be no ending. The suffering will get to a point where men will wish to die and they can't. That's what Revelation says. They run to the mountains and say, fall on us because the torment is so strong that they actually want to die and they can't. They cannot get away. So that's what a life of perfect health, without death, without the touch of any kind of negative thing, to remind you that this is temporary and to remind you that this season too will pass. Can you imagine the worst day of your life and then imagine that it never ends and that you get up and it's the same? And you get up and it's the same? And you get up and it's the same? And you never get out of the worst day of your life. That's what eternal life would look like if God let us eat of the tree. That's what eternal life would look like without the regeneration of the spirit, the worst day of your life every day forever. And it never ends and you get up and it's the same and it never ends and you get up and it's the same and it never ends. So it's the mercy of God that it says it rains on both the just and the unjust. That means that because our life is short and temporary, that when you get up, uh, there is new mercy every day because there's seasons to life. You're going through a bad time right now? Well, just get up tomorrow and it might be different. That's just the mercy of God. That's just how God works. You can't take it to live where there is no change and there is no movement in your life because that change of station gives you hope that something else could come, that there's something else that's better. Tomorrow could be better than today. And when you stop feeling like tomorrow is going to be better than today, then what do you do? You grow hopeless and depressed and that's when people desire suicide. Tomorrow and the next day will not be better than today. Well, if you live forever in your current condition, you would if you were a thinking person before long, when you got to be about a thousand years old, you would remember my tomorrow is no better than today. My tomorrow is no better than today. And I want to die. But that would have been blocked from you. Why? Because you chose it. Well, you chose this way. You disobeyed the Lord and then you decided to live forever in your disobedience. So welcome to the worst day of your life forever, forever, forever. You understand how that works and all of a Sudden, this doesn't look like God being merciful anymore. This looks like God being cruel and leaving us in our condition to rot day after day after day. That's why this message is the best thing that's going. That's why this is the best way to put your life in order is to give it to God because He is the one that authored that change of season. So every time you've gone through a hard time and then time has healed it, you can thank God for that because that's the way He built you, that seasons come and seasons go. And that's the mercy of God. And if it had not been for his mercy, you would have been stuck forever in that worst day of your life. In that worst day of your life. So right now, while you're still in time, while you still have this breath in your body, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to give your life to God and let the newness of life come up? Or are you going to let your will be done and be sealed in eternity forever doing your will? What I want to do. What I want to do. What I want to do. And now I'm telling you what. That will get old very, very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. It will destroy your heart. It will destroy your life. So why? Why do we go through these hard things? Because God... I want you to remember, this is temporary. God takes us through ups and God takes us through downs. Everybody goes through them because everybody has the same chance to pause and to see, you know what, this life is short. And I've got to get something solid. I've got to get something that means something in my life. And I think it points people toward God. And certainly people in this room. I think God's beginning to, many of you, God's working on you, pulling on you, tugging on your heart, tugging on your life. And when you come to God, when you get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, now that is something different altogether. We say it's the best day of your life, but really it's not the best day of your life. The best day of your life is when you get. A good job or maybe you get married or something really, really good that has to do with life. This life, that's the best day of this life. I'm just kind of joking. It's semantics, but I want you to follow me because the Bible says that when you get the Holy Ghost, it's the first fruits of glory. So it's the first taste of not this life. But of the next life. So the reason people say, oh, it's the best day of my life is because it's the first day that you got to leave your life. It's the actually not the best day of this life. It's one of the worst days of the next life. It's just a taste of the first few moments of what it's going to be like when you are reconnected with your creator. When you are reconnected with the perfect plan of God, so that living forever is not unbearable. But what hell's going to feel like is the worst day of this life that will never go away, that will never end. The worst moment that you've ever experienced, and realizing that when I wake up in the morning, it's still going to be there. When I wake up in the morning, it's still going to be there. When I wake up in the morning, it's still going to be there forever and eternity. Because you made a decision. I'm going to live my way. And I'm going to live by my rules. And God says, okay. But I tried to give you mercy. I tried to tell you. Every time that the sun came up, when you had the most terrible day, and the sun came up, and you had a good day ahead of you, That was me just trying to whisper in your heart, I make all things new. Don't you want me in your life? I make all things new. I'm the one that made the sun to rise. I'm the one that put the dew on the grass. I'm the one that made my mercy fall down in your life one more day so that you can bear it. I'm the one that made tomorrow better than today. Just to remind you that if you want a hope of a better tomorrow, I'm the one that can give it. I'm the one that can give. But if you want to live the worst day of your life forever, just do what you want to do. Just ignore your creator. Ignore the fact that he created you, that he put something in your life. So when your life gets low and you know this too will pass, the Bible says, this season will pass, that's because God's reminding you there's something better coming. So if they could help me on the music, I'm quickly coming to a close. Because I want to give you an opportunity to pray tonight because I do think, I do think that there's, maybe you've had questions in your heart, in your mind, why, why is this even, why do we even do this church thing? Why do we even do this church thing? Because when you look at the world to that two dimensional, flat kind of heaven or hell, God likes the good people and hates the bad people. Well, this is just dumb. Maybe it's not even true because it seems unjust and it seems unfair. The fact that the world would be punished, that God created it would seem unfair. It would seem unfair. And then you maybe maybe God forbid you've been through something that's so horrific that you think how could I mean I've I've watched this play out of death and suffering in my life how could God love me how could God love me how could God love me He does love you even though you've been through such horrible things some of the worst things that you can go through because other people made a decision to sin against you to sin that means that they made a choice of their own free will to do something against you that harmed you now think of that going on forever it won't there's an end there's an end to every life and it's called death and the Bible says after death the judgment and people quake in their boots at judgment judgment's not a bad thing judgment is fair that means everybody that's ever harmed you will stand before God and there will be fair judgment There will be righteous judgment. That's a good day. I mean, we all want that you run as a toddler. And who do you tell when when somebody snatches your toy? You tell mom because you're wanting what righteous judgment. you you want there to be judgment to come down. You want there to be an end to the selfishness. You want there to be an end to that. Now, we don't always want to apply it to ourselves. We're willing to apply it to somebody else. But see that's what God said I'm going to put an end to that Your suffering will not be forever It's every bit of suffering has an end Every bad day has an end The sun sets on every day Good day and bad day Good day and bad day The sun still sets and the sun still rises Every day Every day As a reminder There's something more There's something new That's coming. God can make all things new. I want you to stand. I want you to close your eyes right now. Because maybe there's somebody here that's wondering, Brother Jared, I don't know if I can live for God. I don't know if this whole thing's for me. I'm telling you, it's for you. It's for you. This is not a book of rules. This is not a list of things you can't do. This is a way in which you can connect to what you were really meant to do, who you were really meant to be. This is is how you know. This is how you know that God loves me and that He has a plan for my life and that what He has for me is better. You say, God, I'm tired of living my life the way that it is i can't imagine my worst day going on forever and so god i want you to intersect my life and i want you to touch me that's what repentance is it's not some sort of god i'm so terrible i'm so terrible some sort of fest of just self loathing that's not what it is it's saying god i want you to change me because i can't imagine this life going on forever i can't imagine my current life lasting forever and ever and ever and ever on end i need you to intervene in my life and when you do that When you do that, God begins to work in your life. God begins to work in your heart. God begins to touch you and help you. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that is the first fruit. Of your new life, so let's lift our hands right now, and I want us to pray together. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just touch these precious young people right here. God, I pray, Lord, God, that you would begin to work in every one of their lives. God, maybe there are some here, Lord, that they have they have lived a life that nobody knows about. They've lived a life of suffering that nobody really can imagine. But God, you've seen it, and God, you've taken them through every valley. God, you've walked with them through every dark place, not because you hate them, but because you're trying to get them. Your attention and remind them that this life is not all that there is and that you can intersect and that you can reach down and that you can touch and that this next life God that you give us through the promise of the Holy Ghost is so much better than anything that we could have on this earth, than anything that we could obtain so Lord I pray right now God that there is some young person out there that's just so tired of just the monotony of their life and the pain and the hurt and God they're ready to give their life to you Maybe there's a young person that's been filled with the Holy Ghost, but they let it grow cold in their life, and they've forgotten what it feels like to break through in the Spirit and feel that touch from another world. God, I pray that you would just reach down, and that you would begin to work, and that you would begin to touch right now, and that you would bless. And somebody that's going through a valley, and somebody that says, I don't know if I can make it, I pray that you would help them right now know that it's only temporary, that you're just taking them through for a season to remind them to trust you, to remind them to lean on you, to remind them that there is a day coming, there's a dawn breaking, that there's not going to be any more pain, that there's not going to be any more suffering, that there's not going to be any more death because we live with you. Touch these young people right now. Come on, just reach out with your heart right now. This is the altar call. Just begin to respond right now. Let the Lord touch you. If there's something in your life and you say, Brother Jared, you're talking to me. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.